by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello, and welcome to N17 Women, the first Tottenham fan podcast dedicated exclusively to the women's team. And yes, we did fact check that claim. My name is Caroline, and I'll be hosting this inaugural episode of the pod. So let's meet our panelists. We have Rachel joining us from London. Um, She is the founder of the Spurs Women blog. We also have Sean, who is based out of Surrey, and she is a member of the Proud Lily Whites. And we also have Abby across the pond in Denver. She covers the women's team for the Cartilage Free Captain blog. And I'm located in San Antonio. I run a newsletter called Spurs Across the Pond. We're excited to have some guests joining us also throughout the season, but you can expect to hear from the four of us on most of our episodes. So why a show about Spurs women? We decided to start a podcast about Tottenham's wonderful women's team to remedy a gap that we noticed in the Spurs fandom at large. Our goal is to create a space where fans of the women's team can have a meaningful conversation about all aspects of the team, from squad analysis to match commentary to transfer news. We believe the women's team is just as deserving of obsessive discussion and debate as the men's team. And if that sounds like your jam too, hit the subscribe button now so you don't miss a single episode. We wanted to introduce ourselves in this first episode, so I'll kick things off by talking about my journey to becoming a Spurs fan. So I originally started watching the Premier League in the early 2000s, and I didn't attach myself to a team because it was sometimes hard to watch the games here in the States. You know, we wouldn't get the same teams playing every week. So fast forward I kind of fell out of watching soccer for a while and got back into it after the 2018 World Cup. And there were so many um, Spurs players on the men's England team that I had enjoyed watching. So I decided to choose Tottenham as my club officially. And I didn't even know at first that there was a women's team, but pretty much as soon as I learned of their existence, uh, I got involved watching the games as much as I could. Um, I just loved that the WSL, you know, is, is a competitive league, especially in more recent seasons. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, any, any of the teams can take points off of the other teams. And I just fell in love with Spurs women. Uh, Rachel, how about you? How did you get into watching the team? Um, I was just listening to your story and thinking, oh my gosh, you, you actually chose to be a Spurs fan in the <laughs> later life. Whereas I feel like it's a, a, you know, it's a joy and a curse, um, as it is for many people who, like me, started sporting Spurs when they were kids. Um, I played, there was a girl in my class who was uh, from a massive Spurs family and, you know, she was a good friend when I was, I think, maybe six or seven and... Yeah, unfortunately, and fortunately, I've been a Spurs fan ever since then. I grew up in North London, so most people I knew were either Spurs or Arsenal. Um, and I spent many years being taunted by Arsenal fans. Um, and actually really jealous that they had such a good women's team. I didn't start following Spurs women until quite recently. And a lot of the reason I did was kind of a frustration with the men's team, especially under Mourinho, who I'm not going to go into the reasons why I would be frustrated with the men's team under Mourinho, but um, wasn't my favourite manager, let's just say. And, you know, the Spurs 
women was a way of sort of supporting the team. Still, my team that I fully identified with, but that was, um, you know, women. And that was. And when I started, I got a season ticket this last year, and it's just been amazing. I've absolutely got completely obsessed and the reason I started Spurs women's blog is I felt like there wasn't enough people talking about Spurs women's team um, especially in comparison to the other you know the big clubs Um, and so yeah I am now um, an obsessive and I will bore everybody with Spurs women and yeah that's my story I guess. Yeah, that's pretty relatable about needing a break from the the Mourinho men's team. I feel that. <laughs> what about you, Sean? How'd you get into the team? Uh, well, I started sporting Spurs when I was a kid. Um, I didn't really, my family weren't into football at all. Um, and so the only thing I really knew about football at that stage was Gary Lineker was on a kids TV show over here called Wackaday doing Sabutio football tips. Uh, and so that was what I knew about football. So I started sporting Spurs. Um, as it turns out, my mum's family are from Tottenham and we have a, a history of being Spurs fans. And my great aunt sent me a type in, a Spurs type in from when she, from her husband and my grandpa told me stories about watching the football players go to work on their bicycles back in the days when he lived in Tottenham and football players went to work on bicycles. Um, so I, I do have a family legitimacy after all, but that's not why I started supporting them. Uh, and then being kind of feminist that I am, I was interested in women's football but at the time Spurs women were nowhere to be seen and if you wanted to watch one of the top teams you were talking Chelsea Arsenal or Millwall or something in you know and I just couldn't bring myself to support any of those teams so it kind of was latent for a while Uh, and then in one of the cup games Spurs women came down to Carshalton which is not which is closer to me than where they were playing and I went and watched a game and there was hardly anybody there but it kind of sparked my interest a bit more and then they they offered a season ticket uh, for the first time and I thought right if I buy myself a season ticket then I will go to a game because I will have paid for the ticket and I'll go so I bought myself a season ticket and went to pretty much every home game that season uh, and yeah fell in love with it the just the the different atmosphere, you know, I mean, what we love about the men's game in a lot of ways is that communal spirit and that big um, everybody singing together kind of thing. And this was very much different. It was much more on a personal level. You were right up next to the players, you know, as you're as you're watching the game, you're literally three foot from the, from the pitch when we were playing at chess and the, the, the lino was right in front of you. And as some of my uh, match going um, friends did, you can, you know, make your feelings known to the lino quite happily. Um and, you know, the players come over and talk to you afterwards and you feel like you've got a bit of a connection with them. And uh, and I've just kept going. And this last season went to every game but one. Uh, I missed out on the semi-final because it was such a late announcement of when the date was going to be. And it was in Manchester. But every other game this season, home and away, I've been to and uh, just become obsessed with Spurs. Women talk about them whenever I get the opportunity. Um, and I'm also now... Um, working with a part of the FSA, the Football Supporters Association, um, on the Women's Network um, and representing the Women's Network on the National Council and also on the board of the FSA. So it's really taken over my life quite a lot in many, many ways in the last couple of years. Yeah, this club does have a way of taking over your life. I can relate to that. (laughs) But definitely envious that, you know, you get to go to the games in person and Uh, It sounds like you've been following their journey for quite a while up through the different leagues. So that's awesome. 
Uh, and Abby, I bet your story is probably similar to mine in a way, since you're also from the States. So how did you get into the club? Yeah, it's funny. I jotted down some notes on this beforehand and uh, not knowing what you were going to say. And it turns out that my story is actually quite similar. Um, so yeah, I grew up playing soccer um, since like I was five all the way through high school. Um, and I like really, really, really wanted to watch, but it just like wasn't on TV. And I just remember like having to like maybe during the 2006 World Cup, like we got to watch it during lunch sometimes at school and that was it. I also didn't have cable TV, so it was like extra hard for me to watch. Um, So I was like in and out of mostly watching major international tournaments because that was basically all that was available. Um, Basically up until I went back to school to get a PhD in around 2017. And at that point I was like, wow, this really sucks and I need a coping mechanism. So I started watching the Premier League and I was like, I'll just watch and then eventually I'll find a team. And it's like, um, I'll know when I like have a team that I support. Uh, And after a while, I kind of just realized that when I was watching, I, I just loved Tottenham because they were so chaotic I was like man I really think I love this uh and then I started uh trying to learn a little bit more about Tottenham and it ended up really fitting for me because um you know as I was reading more about the history it like I was like I do like to suffer um and there was also you know the Jewish history aspect of the club uh and I really enjoyed learning about that because I'm Jewish And, um, but yeah, at the beginning, there was no real reason. I was just like, you know, like watching Hugo Lloris get a red card, um, you know, tackling Herman Lozano. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I love this. Um, Yeah. And as for Spurs women, it's like, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of Americans don't even really know there's a women's soccer league in the United States, let alone in other countries. Um, And so I did know, about the league here and I knew the teams in it weren't affiliated with their like corresponding MLS teams necessarily and I kind of just assumed it was the same in England but about six months in I kind of found out that there was like a corresponding Tottenham Hotspur women and I was like hell yeah sweet um so yeah and I've gotten a lot more into it since I've started writing for Cartilage Free Captain um partially just because like I really enjoyed reading a lot of the writing around Tottenham men. And that was like one of the things that kind of helped me get into it and feel like I really belonged as a supporter of the team. I just wanted people to be able to experience that for Spurs women as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like to me, it's, it's very important to make uh, the women's game and especially Tottenham women more accessible to a lot of fans um, so, you know, there, there could be fans from the men's team that are just waiting to be welcomed into the women's space, too. Um, so hopefully this podcast will provide, you know, another outlet for people to learn more about the women's team. And I'm looking forward, especially to hearing from that local perspective from Rachel and Sean next season, since y'all are able to attend the matches in person. Um, well, Abby and I are sadly at the mercy of the FA player, <laughs> which can be kind of hit or miss. Uh, But let's think back now to think about the season that just ended and talk a little bit about some of the highlights and the lowlights and just assess the season overall. So Rachel, what stood out to you about this past season? What were some of the great moments? um, Some of the down moments as well? Um, 
I well, I was thinking about it because I, I do like a statistic, and I was looking at some of the stats on our team, especially in comparison to other WSL teams. And one of the things that stands out is Tottenham is this team that tackles. So we tack we had made thirty more tackles than any other team. We had lots of players who were in the top ten for sort of making tackles. Um, Ash obviously topped that league, but Ria also. Um, there were other players who you know all of the team were just always had that desire to get the ball. And that doesn't mean that we were a team that played on the back foot. We were not, you know, the team that was always without the ball. Actually, if you look at our statistics, we had 51% of possession across our games. And in that, we are just below, we basically came six. So we're below the top four who had more possession than us and Everton. So we were a team that had possession. We created chances. We created loads of chances. We scored a few nice ones. Um, you know, Jessica Naz definitely always does a beautiful goal. Um, Ashley Neville's really nice chance of that beautiful game um, against um, Brighton where we had four. Um, all of them different and all of them really nice goals. But we also failed to take our chances. I know Sean's got a lot more to say about this and why we didn't take our chances. But it really stands out that our XG was much higher than our goals. So we we were basically below our XG by about eight goals. Um, And that was just a product of us creating things and not being able to you know, convert them into goals. And so it was a kind of frustrating season in that sense. So, you know, you would go, you would see stuff happening, but there was no end product. Um, And so I think it was a really exciting season in the sense that we were playing with a real desire. Our defence was, you know, solid. And it wasn't just our defence, it was from front to back, um, players getting involved and, you know, being part of that Um, we didn't lose any game by more than three goals. And most games where we lost, it was by a goal. So we were even where we were not converting goals. We were doing a really good job of defending. And that was every single player on the pitch. So, I mean, you would get people, for, you know, you would get Rachel Williams, Rhea Percival, all of the different players kind of coming back into the box and keeping, making sure we kept that clean sheet. But of course, it was also particularly our back line and Molly Bartrip and Shalina, um, Ashley Neville, Keris, um, who were doing amazing jobs. Yeah, I think it's a really good shout to call out the fact that, you know, since since the past season, uh, we saw Rhea Skinner had her first full season in charge. And there was a market improvement in our attacking patterns. You know, we were creating plenty of chances um, and you could see a, a clear team identity forming. It was just the finishing was was lacking um, in the attacking third. So, uh, Sean, what would you have to add to that? Uh, well, I think my highlight of the season goes back to right towards the beginning, actually, and a miserable day in Manchester. Um, uh, not not a nice game to go to, um, expecting to lose, got to the game and thought, what the heck am I doing here? Just walked up from Manchester Town Centre in the rain to the Academy Stadium and um, we're going to lose by a lot. This isn't going to be fun. Uh, and then at half time, we were like, we're drawing with Manchester City what what's what's going on and I was taking pictures of the scoreboard and my friend was going don't do that um because that's going to ruin it and I'm like yeah but we're never going to be in this position at any point this is incredible um and then we went on to win it um just I mean and we know now of course that it was not Manchester City uh, as Manchester City normally are and it was a much depleted Manchester City team but 
to win a game against Manchester City at their grounds uh, was great fun. And also I got some friends up there in, in Manchester who were fans, so it was quite good fun being there for that as well. Um, but just that kind of the hope of that kind of like, hang on a minute, this this season is going to be different. There's 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 more to come this season. So I think that was a really high moment for me. I think the low moments were West Ham away, Brighton away, those games that we should have won. We should have, those games that at the beginning of the season were the games I wanted us to be consistently winning because those are the teams that we should be consistently beating. And we just fell apart in those games and the away games particularly and against Aston Villa at home where we just, you know, and where we should have been a goal or two ahead and hadn't done that. And then lost it. You know, those those are the games which are frustrating. You know, I don't mind, you know, the, losing to Arsenal and Chelsea and all those kind of things. If it happens, it happens. And even if it happens by three goals, it happens by three goals. That's better than it has been in the past. But to not get those results against Brighton and West Ham and Villa, um, particularly given that it wasn't because we weren't playing well, it was just because we weren't putting our chances away. Um, and I think, you know, that's the key thing for me in this season is in this coming season is going to be scoring those goals, getting attacking players. And we'll talk a bit later, I guess, about players that we've lost and and the the issue with those. And it's a bit worrying that we have lost Rachel Williams um, and as yet not replaced her. Obviously, we don't know who's coming in yet and we won't start to know for a week or two, I don't think, exactly who's going to be coming in uh, because of the window opening, um, I think, next week. So we just... so. We'll, We'll wait and find out. But yeah, I mean, just a change. In, but also, I think actually, when you look at it, just a, a return to the kind of form that we had in our first season in the Super League. Because actually, if you look at points game by game, this season was fairly similar to that season, which was a season that we overachieved. Um, and I do think that this season, a lot of stuff has been made about how well we've done. But actually, in many ways, I think we took the opportunity of a lot of other teams not performing as well as they should have done. Um, Everton, Reading, the Manchester teams in the first half of the season, the second half of the season, Brighton and West Ham both you know, lost their form as well. So we, we rode our luck, I think, and I think we need to be aware that that's the case. Yes, there's a lot of improvement, but we did ride our luck uh, in this, this season. So um, lots, lots to be really excited about, but also a cautious note for me in terms of going forward as to what that's what you know when those other teams pick up as they inevitably will um how that's gonna reflect on us yeah the the wsl has really proven to be quite an unpredictable league especially in this past season Um, but you're right you know we can't ride that luck forever so it's definitely going to be important to strengthen in the transfer window and make sure that we're we're making you know continuing the progress that we've already started to build on uh abby what were some of the highs and lows for you i definitely have to look back to some of those big results early in the season for the the highs um it was just so exciting getting to you know watch the team continually get results that really surprised me because the expectations that i had were actually really low at the beginning of the season um so i had a really good time just realizing that we were actually like a competitive team and, and things were going pretty well. Um, 
But then, you know, shortly after that, we had some pretty rough injury luck that felt pretty bad, like losing Kit Graham and Rhea Percival. And then, of course, that the COVID outbreak leaving us super depleted right before our toughest run of games uh, all right in a row. But yeah, even during some of our losses, I, I really liked that we still looked like we had ideas and we still looked capable of defending and creating. And it was just that frustrating final ball, um, which is high and a low, because then, of course, it was like frustrating that we didn't win some of those um, because we did look good for it. And I think for me, that's all just summed up by that that second game we had against Everton, which probably had my favorite moment of the season and my least favorite moment of the season all in one. And we just created so many good chances against them. We absolutely destroyed them on XG. Like, I think we put up like close to four XG, if I'm remembering correctly. And yet we only came away with a a draw 2-2. And it was those second two goals for me, watching Josie come on the pitch and instantly create a really excellent goal, uh, only for us to totally fall apart at the back and concede again in the dying moments. It was joy and heartbreak all in one, really sums it up for me. Yeah, that that could definitely be the vibe around Spurs women sometimes, joy and heartbreak all in the same game. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll definitely talk more about um, transfers in our next episode since the window will be open by then and hopefully we'll start seeing some movement. Um, But the last topic I thought we could tackle today is the club's decision to move the majority of our Spurs women matches from the Hive Stadium to Brisbane Road. Uh, which is currently the home of Leighton Orient FC. So Sean and Rachel, I have a feeling that y'all will have a lot of strong opinions about this as match going fans. So how do you think this is going to affect Spurs women's home support? Is it a good thing for the club mixed thing? Let me know. Yeah, I think it's uh, an interesting one. I think it's divided opinion a little bit. Uh, mostly, I think it's positive. I think for those people who've been coming to the games at the Hive, there's a little bit of, obviously, people who uh, for whom it, it works, um, not too happy about it. Um, I think, you know, people who are driving found it easier to get to the Hive, potentially, than, than it will be to get to Brisbane Road. But I think for people who aren't yet following, um, for a lot of them, it's a great uh, it's a great move. It's closer to... Um, to Spurs and uh, you know a little bit more central for people to get to it's a bit of a bigger ground and it's a it's a club that we've got a history with you know that Spurs have a relationship with with Orient uh, which is always nice you've got Justin Edinburgh stand there and things so there's a lot of nice little things it's a shame all the seating's red uh, that's one one issue I have with that um, but um, hopefully the pitch will be better the relationship we have with the club will be better uh, and, and moving a little bit closer to home. I know Manchester City fans aren't happy because it means they've got a little bit further to travel, but, you know, that's their problem. Uh, so we're, uh, I think, I think it should be a good, I think it should be a good move, obviously, wait and see what happens in terms of, of uh, fans. And the ticketing information hasn't yet been released, which is a real um, issue. And, you know, um, season ticket information hasn't even been released to existing season ticket holders yet. So as always, we're, behind the curve with that kind of thing um and we'll all have to find our new our new home at brisbane road and we all had our favorite spots at the hive and things we'll have to rediscover things but um hopefully yeah it'll be a really good experience and hopefully the the catering will be better i think people have been quite critical of the catering at the hive so uh hopefully uh nicer chips uh but uh yeah i just i'd be great hopefully get more people down more people from from spurs and 
get that those you know couple of thousand people in there every game rather than just for the big games yeah I totally agree I think it's you know for those of us who go by public transport it's going to be not a problem at all it's on lots of good public transport links um and it is as Sean says closer to London and um I really enjoyed going to the hive I, it was there was something about it it was a kind of it was a really nice stadium to be in it was there was a kind of it was quite I don't know it just felt quite I don't know chill which is probably not what you want for a football stadium exactly but it was always a really nice experience I think the staff were friendly you know the stewarding was good so for fans it was a good experience but I don't think we got enough people. We still don't attract enough Spurs fans um, and having a ground that has a better connection to Spurs that is in a better location is hopefully going to make a difference. Um, and we did get loads of complaints about the pitch. It was kind of brown and mucky looking by sort of, I don't know, March or April. Um, and I don't know if we had an advantage from that. So I don't know if we're going to have to learn to play in a different way now that we have a hopefully better pitch. But, you know, we should be playing on a better pitch. It's what the team deserve. They're professionals. They should have a pitch in which they're not sliding and potentially risking life and limb by, you know, playing on mud. Um, so that should be really good. And, yeah, I would second Sean's um chip concerns they were not the best chips and I'm hoping for better um apparently there's a really good bar which um that Leighton Orient have so you know maybe that will be open and all of us who are there in person can enjoy that as well um so yeah I think it's you know it is positive that they've made a move um it's some people have said oh we should play everything at the main stadium and we're definitely not ready for that you don't get the atmosphere at you know, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is so big um, that if you've got, even when you get sort of 4,000, which is more than you twice that what you would get for a normal game, it still doesn't create the sort of atmosphere that you'd want in the main stadium. And it's nice to have more of an atmospheric game where you are closer to capacity in the stand. But having a bigger state, having a bigger place is going to be good. Yeah, I also think that it's nice to, to having a smaller stadium just from the community aspect of the women's game. It's much easier for us to find each other and to be able to chat and and you know you know where you know where you, the sort of areas are you're going to find the people that you want to say hello to and things are. Whereas in the big stadium, you don't. Um, also talking about the pitch at the Hive, the worrying thing about that, of course, was that during lockdown we relayed that pitch and we dug it all up and our grounds team, you know, our award-winning grounds team, put down a new pitch. And obviously, however they're looking after it at the hive, something wasn't right because it's a mess again. So it obviously wasn't capable of being what we needed it to be. We've, you know, we've given it a good go and we've invested in in that in that pitch quite a lot. So it was time to move on, I think. And um, it's just really difficult because there aren't, in order to be a WSL uh, league ground, you have to uh, have a certain licensing. Um, commitment and there just aren't that many grounds in North London well there aren't any grounds that we found I think in North London that that fit that 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 meet what we need um so we're having to be a little bit further away still but um I mean I think hopefully you know in the long term there's a chance that we'll get our own stadium but that is the long term um and for now Brisbane Road seems to be the best option um we'll give that one a go for a few years and, and see how it works 
And going back to Sean's point about the red seeds, um, just more generally, I think what would be really good to see is something like a bigger presence at the ground. And I don't know what the negotiations around that are going to be, um, but it would be nice to have more, you know, branding, more Tottenham both colours, but also announcers on the, you know, just all of the sort of stuff that creates atmosphere within the stadium. Um, hopefully there's work being done on that because that was where there was a bit of a, um, I don't know, it wasn't perfect, let's say, at the Hive. Yeah, from the perspective of someone who watches the games, you know, on streaming, it was sometimes strange to see all the Barnett FC branding around the stadium and you know, the only real sense you got that it was it was a Spurs ground was from the supporters flags and banners. So hopefully they can work something out with that. And and there's definitely, you know, arguments to be had about um, how many games should be played at the main Tottenham Stadium. There's got to be, you know, a balance because the team is still growing its fan base. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that maybe with this move into a more central location, we'll get some brand new fans who who might not even have been you know, fans of the men's team prior, um, but just know that, hey, there's a women's team starting up in our area and I'm going to go check it out. So that could be a great thing. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Abby? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because as you said before, we are over here kind of at the mercy of the FA players. So I don't have like quite as much skin in the game uh, as I would if I were actually there. Um, so yeah, I think it's like a good, it seems like a really good, move away from a bad pitch um I did think the hive was a really cool name for stadium so that will be you know disappointing but um one interesting thing that I've seen that was kind of unexpected for me was yeah we wrote this up as news uh, over on cartilage free captain and we actually got a ton of comments on that piece way more than we usually do on the women's pieces and there were at least three commenters saying like oh my god I'm so excited I'll be able to go to the games now like I've, I've never been able to go before and I've really wanted to I think like this is it for me I'm excited so that seems really promising um and I'm looking forward to it yeah and I think to call back to the improved pitch too I think it can only be a benefit um to the more fluid attacking style that we've been playing under Rian Skinner so hopefully that'll be, you know, shown on the pitch and our performances as well. Uh, well, we're having a blast talking about Spurs women and we want the rest of you guys to get involved. So um, feel free to follow us and feel free to share your questions for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll be back with a new episode very soon talking about transfers and all of the preseason going on at Spurs Women. So until then, come on you Spurs.